Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. From, from, from page to screen. Uh, just kind of enjoying the ringtone there. There was a ringtone. There was a ringtone. This is, I mean, it's not for you, but this is my 13th season of the podcast. I counted it up. I wanted wow. to see how many years I've been doing it. So it's like episode one, season 13. So clearly. Take that walking dead. Clearly, you can tell I'm not on uh, on Netflix or they've been cancelled after like season two. Yeah. So I'm quite lucky. How are you, Rob? Are you doing okay? I'm all right. How are you? Happy New Year. Hopefully it is a happy New Year. Happy New Year to yourself. So what have you been up to? How was Christmas and how was New Year? Uh, Christmas was good. Um, You know, for me, uh, it's kind of two big parts of Christmas. Number one, kind of spending that family time with everybody and watching uh, people open the gifts that I've got them because I enjoy watching that happen yep uh and the second one is the big christmas dinner nice what did you have what was the sort of rundown not a full rundown but what's the highlight of the christmas dinner christmas dinner pretty much um turkey stuffing pigs Mm. in blankets you know yeah potatoes roast potatoes selection of veg the sort of standard christmas dinner yeah well annette's daughter came around for christmas uh, Christmas Day, she sort of came over Christmas Eve, I believe, and then went mid-afternoon. Uh, she thought it was a good idea to, uh, while she was cooking the chicken, and she thought, I know, I'm going to lick the spoon that's just been stirring the raw chicken. So, yeah, that was that was wise. However, not as good as uh, Annette's other daughter, Rebecca. Uh, I did tell Annette I would out this person on the podcast, so that's why I'm doing it at the start. So Rebecca's gone out with this guy called Paul, long-term relationship, etc., etc. So, you know, she's no excuse. He um, he was poorly with the flu. Have you had, like, the flu and stuff over Christmas, or have you managed to avoid the coughs and colds? Um, we uh, had it on the run-up to Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Addie brought it home from school. She was sick for a good week and a half going on to two weeks i think um then nicole came down with it um but luckily um you know no more than about probably about four days uh and then finally i kept feeling like i was gonna go down with it and kept battling um you know um taking tablets and um, kind of drinking orange juice and all that kind of good yeah. stuff um, and kind of managed to battle most of it off I, I just ended up with uh, the sore throat and the headache whereas uh, like everybody else had the sore throat headache and also kind of the runny nose and all that kind of stuff so it's bad. it seems to be a lot of it around let's say uh, Rebecca's partner Paul he had it 
and he was he was had similar symptoms to you for the first few days, and yeah. then it, and then it got worse, and you know he had more symptoms. So we're like, what the hell's what's going on here? And it turns out, and this is good advice if anybody has a cold and has flu, uh, make sure you read the bottle on the cough syrup to make sure it's not fucking laxatives. Um, <laughs> Because Paul had been drinking laxatives for like a day and a half and for some reason couldn't work out why he was vomiting and shitting out his body organs. So uh, this is, this can be the public announcement. Please make sure you read the bottle and don't drink laxatives like a moron. So, um, yeah, so now poor old Rebecca has to go out and buy more laxatives. I don't know why she had laxatives in there. Who knows? But uh, clearly it was to get rid of Paul's cold. So a shout out to Paul. Hopefully he didn't crap out a kidney and some intestines and stuff like that. So uh, I did tell Annette that I would tell this story in a podcast. So it's now gone global. So I may even play this <laughs> clip to Paul just to make him go red. Although to be fair, I don't think he could go redder than shitting himself for two days, do you? I think that would probably. <laughs> so a happy new year to, uh, to Paul. <laughs> So yeah, so my my Christmas was fine. I'm not a huge fan of Christmas anyway. To be fair, it's just it's never been my thing. But it was okay. We we just sat and ate food. Sound like it came from a similar menu to what you were you were having food mm-hmm. from. We watched a bunch of movies. Um, for me, it's weird though. Between Christmas and New Year, it's the only time of the you'll find this with the pop culture thing just you know, going ballistic, hopefully in 2023. It's the only time of the year when you don't get loads of press releases or there aren't really any films coming out and stuff like that. So you can actually take a full week off and not think, oh my God, I've got all this stuff to catch up on unless you're self-creating stuff yourself. But Mm. only today and yesterday did all the emails start piling back (laughs) in. So I'm like, oh God. But I'm being a bit choosier on which ones I... uh, I sort of put on my website and stuff, but eh, here we are, 2023. I was kind of. Have you watched any films yet this year? I've, I've watched quite a few actually. Have you watched a few? I I didn't watch any until I think yesterday because it's like I don't know which film's going to be the first because I I keep a spreadsheet with movies that I've watched and you know you don't want to have the first film of the year be a shit one, so I'm <laughs> always a little bit choosy. But I think now I've watched probably about three or four, so I've watched a whole bunch. Um, so here's uh, I did message you earlier on asking about a celebrity story, didn't I? You did. So we may we may save that till later on in the in the episode, but that will get covered. And the reason is, it's like, um, and it, it's not too morbid, but maybe might sound morbid. But you know, you you go on the internet and you see that somebody's passed away, and you're like, oh, then you see all these people sharing stories, and I'm thinking, why is it? just when people have died that all these stories start coming out so i think yeah, what i'd true, like true. to do each week is maybe just because i don't know half your stories you might not not know some of mine um although a lot of mine happened at your event so you may <laughs> know um but i just thought you know what we'll start sharing out little stories sounds good so what have you watched give me some of the highlights let's go for tv first tv um Actually, not a lot of TV. Um, it's uh, a lot of repeats. Uh, so I'm still kind of working my way through all of Two Broke Girls on uh, Amazon at the moment. I'm on season six, which I want to say I think is the last season. Okay. Um, so I think I'm nearly uh, through all of those. That's my uh, replacement for Big Bang Theory because, um, you know... 
it was getting a bit rid- ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit. Because um, you've watched it, how many times have you torn through Big Bang? Big Bang in full is probably at least 20 times now. You're kidding. And there's 12 seasons of that, isn't it? Is it oh, 12, yeah. 12? That's insane. There's 20 odd episodes as well per. But, wow. but you know the no. feeling because obviously you've got it with um, um, young Sheldon. I'm not saying you watch it, um, you know, over and over like me. But no. the episodes are those kind of bite-sized episodes that are really handy for putting on while you're doing something else or just kind of filling a little gap here and there. That is a lot of runtime, though. It is. <laughs> you've sort of filled with this. I mean, I think the show I've probably watched the most is probably Entourage. And I think I've only seen the full run of that maybe three times, four times. So I'm nowhere. I've got a lot of laps to, to run around before I catch up with you. <laughs> uh, um, what else have I watched uh, TV-wise? Um, oh, me and, uh, me and Addy have started watching Star Trek um, Prodigy. Okay, yep. Um, so that's the, 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 the kind of the new animated uh star trek and she's really enjoying it and i'm enjoying it because again sharing something you love like star trek with uh your child it's and, just an amazing experience and you've already seen these before haven't you uh i i or have you have okay I, I haven't seen them all before but i have i did start watching them without her and then said oi you know what I bet you'll like these. Come watch them with me. Is this your way to get her into the Church of Star Trek, or is she familiar with Star Trek? Previously? She is familiar with Star Trek because obviously I do the whole um, kind of introduction thing. So, you know, it'll start. I'll go, right, Addy, this is Captain Janeway. She was in Voyager, and she'll like kind of look at me and go, does I know, she, Dad. Does I, that, seen it. I was going to say, does Addy care about <laughs> the, whole, <laughs> the whole sort of mythology of Star Trek? Um, but I'm hoping this will make her want to watch uh, kind of the live-action Star Trek more. Yeah. Because lately, as people know who listen to the podcast, I've been watching uh, Stranger Things with Addy. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get to the level where you can watch kind of programs meant for um, kind of a, a general adult audience, uh, it's great to sit down and watch them with your kid. Because... You know, it's great to watch something you love with anybody for the first yeah, when it's their first time because you kind of relive that first watch moment through them because you're sitting watching with them. Yep. Uh, but to do it with uh, with your daughter is amazing. So, um, so yeah, really kind of uh, enjoying that. Um, there's been a, been a lot that kind of I think me and Addie have uh, uh, been watching. Uh, where where are you going to start though with the live action Star Trek? And did you know that yesterday Star Trek? This would make you feel old. Yesterday Star Trek Deep Space Nine was thirty years old. I did know that. <laughs> I mean, uh, this has been recorded on the fourth of January. So third of January, Emissary got shown in the US. Mm. Uh, I don't know when it was shown over here. It was a little bit later because I remember somebody coming into the video shop and they did rec- they'd got a recorded VHS of the pilot, and I remember watching that in advance of the US one, because it was on mm. Sky, wasn't it, over here? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 30 years old. Damn. Where, um, where do you start? I think um, there's... Uh, with, um, with Prodigy having characters from 
Voyager. Yep. I think Voyager might be a good way okay. to go into it. And I think Voyager, um, you know, I think all Star Trek's got kind of relatable uh, characters for children, but obviously Voyager, um, when you get kind of further into it, it's got the Naomi Wildman um kind of story arcs where you've got um her going into the holodeck and watching fairy tales with uh trevis and that kind of stuff um and and to be fair Addie has watched those episodes with me um so she has been introduced to uh to voyager uh in part so i think voyager might be a good way i also thought um enterprise might be a good way to go as well because okay. uh you know, Enterprise got a lot of action, but it's also got the draw of a beagle, the captain's dog, Porthos. Um, which, you know, what kid doesn't love something with a dog in it? Most do, yep. See, I'd be, a friend of mine was, he was into Star Trek, and mm-hmm. uh, he, his wife at the time, was was like not into Star Trek. He's like, no, it's really good. We're talking about Next Generation here. And she said, right, I'll give you two episodes. <laughs> I will watch two episodes, and if I like it, I like it. And if I don't, I'm never watching any more episodes. So mm-hmm. he and I were chatting. I'm like, which two episodes are you going to go for? And we were firing things backwards and forwards like we're doing now. And then he went away, and he came back. And I said, which two episodes did you go for? He said, well, let's just say she will be watching more Star Trek. I'm like, why? Which ones did you go for? And he went for Q-Who. Mm-hmm. And then he went for the best of both worlds, part one. Ooh, <laughs> cliffhanger. Because, because then it obviously ended on a cliffhanger. She's like, I need to see how this ended. So he ended up squeezing another episode out of her anyway. But uh, I don't know if she became a lifelong Star Trek fan. I suspect she didn't. But mm-hmm. that's how he got around that one. See, I'd lean towards showing something like Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. Because that's a nice, easygoing, it's not too complicated. You don't really need to know who's who because it's all sort of self-explanatory. And I'd kind of, that's where I'd lean towards. Mm. I think you would, you'd be crazy if you went back and went, right, let's watch the original series. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> poor Addy would be like, what? What is this, cardboard? <laughs> I, I think her head may explode looking at some of the earlier stuff. My head blows up at looking at some of the earlier stuff. Uh, and even some of the early next gen stuff's not it's not held up well so you might be no. you might be a bit right with voyager um but yeah uh you know deep space 9 is very good but obviously it's one of the darker of the star trek so i think i think that might be good to to kind of hold back and then kind of go on to it after watching like i say uh voyager or enterprise yeah keep me updated let me let me know how it goes. But I can't believe Deep Space Nine is thirty years old. That's insane. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> so, what else have you been watching? Um, TV wise, I, I couldn't say anything else. I don't think. Really? Oh my god. Okay. You know, obviously, um, like a lot of people, I watched um, kind of uh, BBC's uh, Fireworks from London. Uh, for the new year, which uh, I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but no. I actually found really touching when they had the tribute to uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Yeah. No, I was uh, gone. I went to sleep about, or rather, went to bed about half eleven. Um, so yeah, well, they, I didn't see any of it. I'm sure it's on YouTube or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know if you know from uh, kind of previous years, they started introducing drones into the okay into the mix. So they've got like kind of hundreds of drones that are programmed to kind of go into certain positions and switch different lights on, uh, as well as the fireworks. And um, at one point, they positioned all of these drones to make um, kind of uh, a crown, and it was kind of in purple and stuff like that. And it was really good, really touching. Okay. They don't have to stop it for a walrus or anything. No, no. no. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I used to stay up until New Year's, and then it's just like, I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll wake up tomorrow, and it'll be New Year's Day anyway. So, and plus, you know, what's the fun in spending New Year's Eve when, you know, you're not at a house party or something? Obviously, you're not going to – if you went to a house party or something, you wouldn't leave at half 11. But, but when you're <laughs> sort of spending a quiet time at home, you tend to just think, sleep. That'll do. Yeah. Sleep. And then there's always one drunk person that tries to phone you up after midnight. So, <laughs> you know, fun in games. Well, TV-wise, I being, I started season 24 of Grange Hill. So I'm Ooh. sort of headed towards the end of that. I've got about another six seasons or whatever that I've got access to. I introduced Annette to the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney+. Plus, So I enjoyed watching I, that I again. I did watch that. Um, it as I said to you on the phone, it confused me, and then it confused me even more with your answer because I yeah. was like, "I, I think I've missed a film here because I had no idea who that character was with like kind of the, an- the yep. antennas on her head." And you were like, "Oh, she's been in it from the beginning." I'm yeah, like, yeah, has she? <laughs> yeah, she's a she's a main character. Yep. <laughs> so it shows how much I was paying attention to the first two movies. Definitely, uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I watched on Britbox. It's a TV show called The Syndicate. And okay. it is from, I think it's from like 2011 or something like that. So it's, or it's definitely, it's not a brand new show. It lasted for four seasons mm-hmm. and each season, which is about five or six episodes, focuses on a group of people. It's a British show. It focuses on a group of people who are in a lottery syndicate and spoiler, they win. And it's oh. about how it affects their lives winning like a stupid amount of money and it's very clever. It was one of those where I watched season one and it was really, really good. And then I thought, well, season two is just going to be the same thing, isn't it? Because it's like, I've seen oh yeah, a group of people winning money. What are they going to do with it? So I'm like, ah, do I really want to watch season two? But I put it on and it was different and it was still really good. I'm like, season three is going to be the same now. But it wasn't. All four seasons were really, really good. Season three had Lenny Henry in it doing a serious role. He was amazing in that show. He was really, really good. It's worth watching just for Lenny Henry's performance in that, to be honest. I love Lenny Henry. He's great. She used to watch uh, Chef. That was one of that was one of my all-time favourite Lenny Henry shows. I've seen some, but I haven't seen it all. I don't know how long it ran for, but uh, I do remember it being on, and I probably saw bits and pieces of it. But uh, yeah. he is a damn fine actor, that guy. Mm-hmm. So I actually finished it, finished Syndicate, all four seasons, done. I'm watching Tulsa King on Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus which is the Sylvester Stallone uh, New York sort of mafia gangster who gets sent to Tulsa and starts up his old sort of tricks there. It's a very good show. I've actually now got Abel into watching that. I nearly said I've got him into it, but that makes it sound like he's going to be in season two. He wishes. <laughs> uh, but no, he started watching it. Uh, episode eight, I think, is just about to land on the platform, so I'm going to be watching that. And my sort of Big Bang Theory type fix is, in fact, Two and a Half Men, which is also written by Chuck Lorre, who did 
Big Bang Theory, so I'm rewatching mm-hmm. that, and uh, I'm on season four, I think. I've seen most of them before. Um, Annette hasn't seen any of them before, so she doesn't know that Ashton Kutcher takes over uh, around oh. like season ten or something. So uh, all the Ashton Kutcher ones, I haven't seen those, so that's when I'll start hitting new territory mm-hmm. and and checking the show out. But that's pretty much been my TV stuff. Um, Annette is juggling loads of TV shows. I don't know how how she manages to watch as much as she does. She's working her way through American Horror Story on Disney Plus here in the UK. Uh, something called Atypical on Netflix, which she's really enjoying. She's also watching The Crown. She's also watching a bunch of stuff that has been recorded, like you know, programs about dogs behaving badly and ambulance crews running around and all that <laughs> shite. So while she's doing that, I pop upstairs and watch some of the films that I'll start talking about. And then obviously I come upstairs and do podcasts like this. So, Very cool. Yeah, shall we get on to the movies? Is the movie list longer than the television list? It I, is. I thought so. Uh, well, obviously, um, you know, I'm classing uh, movies uh, that were slightly before this year because, yeah, you know, we there was that uh, kind of overlap. Yeah, we had a, so, we, well, we had a break, didn't we? So yeah, like Ross so, out of friends. Um. You know, being uh, the Christmas season for me, uh, you have to watch um, Home Alone. Okay. So I watched Home Alone, and then I watched Home Alone Two. Okay. And, and, then, and then you I stopped. stopped. <laughs> I thought you might. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, those movies are, um, you know timeless they're just as good to watch now as as when they first came out um uh it does pain me that donald trump is in the second one and obviously got in it by bullying himself way his way into it so, uh, he did indeed as well didn't he normal um <laughs> so i watched those oh a tv series i did watch but I'll slot it in here. Um, on Disney Plus, we all watched uh, the Santa Clauses with Tim Allen, okay. um, where he reprised his role of, of Santa Claus from the Santa Claus movies. Um, we watched a whole season, which I want to say was seven episodes. Yeah. Um, and according to Disney, uh, a second season has uh, been given a green light. So I'm presuming we'll see that next year. I think they should have cast a person that voiced him or played him in Lightyear just to piss the internet off. (laughs) (laughs) I think they missed a trick there at Disney. It's like, let's just wind the internet up even more. But yeah, season two, you're probably going to get like this time next year. Well, not this time, but a couple of months ago. Um, uh, Staying on the whole uh, Christmas kick, uh, me and Addy sat down and we watched Krampus. Um, with with watching Stranger Things, I thought, you know what? I think Krampus uh, fits in well to this. So, uh, you know, um, it's almost, I think, like her first, I suppose, horror movie. Um, and uh, she really enjoyed it. Okay. No nightmares, etc., etc. That's a bit like Russian roulette, isn't it? I suppose yeah. with a child, you go, oh, you'll be fine. Uh-oh, they weren't. I've broke the child. How do I, I fix it? <laughs> 
I think it's a good. It was a good one to start with because I know you haven't seen it yourself. Hmm. Um, but you know, although it's a story about this uh, almost anti-Santa figure, which uh, kind of steals presents and also children who've uh, not necessarily been the nicest or um, do something stupid like make a wish that you know their family wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of balanced because there are comical moments in there. So you've got kind of um, the stereotypical bigger child, which was me when I was a kid, um, who loves food, which was me when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and now. Um, and uh, at one point, Krampus um, kind of throws this, uh, this big uh, hook down the chimney plate uh, the the chimney into the fireplace. This kid's the only one awake, and there's uh, uh, a gingerbread uh, cookie on the end of it. Okay. So this kid like kind of gets drawn to it, walks over, uh, takes a bite out of the gingerbread cookie, and then the gingerbread cookie comes alive. And uh, anyway, the kid ends up being uh, whisked off up the chimney and uh, uh, taken away. Um, but elements like that are quite funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so there, there is a nice kind of uh, balance there. And like I say, it paid off. She enjoyed it. So uh, uh, that was good. So what's next? What's next on the horror sort of thing? Because obviously you have to keep turning the heat up slightly, but not well. Get, I, well not I've get got to it hu- for you. Not get to the human centipede. Sort of thing. You, you got it already. It. <laughs> okay. What? Uh, so the next one again, Christmas. Uh, uh, um, I watched uh, Violent Night with Addy. Wow, okay. Yeah, I've not seen this one either, but I'm guessing it's violent because, you know, it's in the title. Yeah. Um, it's The thing is, if you like Stranger Things, you're going to like Violent Night because you've got good old Jim Hopper as uh, the main character, which is Santa Claus. The whole Violent Night thing is Santa Claus comes... Um, to, to drop some presents off at a uh, rich family's estate and just so happens at that time uh, that the rich family uh, have been um, kind of pushed into a room, taken hostage uh, and are being told to uh, open the safe in the basement that's got like $3 million in there or something like that okay. um, and Santa needs to save the day so again, it's a great movie that's kind of um it's kind of got it's uh kind of more um violent side to it but it's also um kind of got a funny side because it's santa well yeah and i suppose generally I mean, i'm sure santa's more than capable of killing some burglars though yeah and, you know, and without kind of giving too much away and if you do want to hear no spoilers whatsoever switch off now for for, for just a minute i can't do um, that though so yeah. <laughs> um but if you can imagine santa having a fight with uh, with a criminal yeah. and uh using his magic sack um as he's kind of pulling out presents at random from a, a sack that regenerates them going no ipad no telephone you know looking for that baseball bat or cricket bat that he desperately wants to uh to kind of help in his uh fight against the bad guys okay but you would 
definitely give it a thumbs up and recommend oh, yeah. Violent Night. Do you think there may be a Violent Night 2? It would be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think movies like that are fantastic at Christmas time. You know, they're not serious. They're not kind of, um, you know, intellectually taxing. Um, it's just a sit-down movie, watch it, have a laugh, have some fun, um, you know, and then on to the next one. Um, to me, I I would describe it as um, the adult version of Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that. got that yeah. kind of stuff in, in there. Yeah, I've, I've heard the Home Alone sort of comparisons. Mm. So uh, that that clearly works in the film. So uh, ha- have you taken your Christmas tree down yet? No. Have you really? Mine was down on the 29th of December. I ain't keeping that <laughs> shit up any longer than it has to be. So I was back at work on the 29th to the 30th and then back on like the evening of the 1st or so or something like that. It was very confusing. I think, yeah, back on the... I can't remember. Basically, I had one shift off. One in, one off, two in. I was exhausted. The body clock shot to bits. So I took the tree down just before I started work. I'm like, right, I can't face that during the shift. So, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's boxed up. Decorations are gone. Christmas cards are in a drawer. All done and dusted. So, uh, yes, out with the old year, in with the new one. <laughs> and So, how are you... Have you got any film sort of resolutions for this year? Are you going to be watching films in a different way? How are you going to be choosing them? That sort of thing. Um, The last few years, I've kind of gone into it going, you know what? It'd be really cool if I could watch one movie a day. Oh, I tried that shit. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I could easily do it. But finding quality movies that you actually want to watch, that's the difficult part. No, do you know what the the easy... I did it for one year. I thought, right, this year... You know, I can't remember what year it was. I can find it soon, but basically it doesn't matter which year it was. But I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch one film every day. And obviously some days you're not going to be able to watch a film. So it's like, right, as long as I've watched 365 films by the end of the year, I'm all right, I'm good. Because mm-hmm. some days... You can't go on holiday and watch movies. You, you know, your partner would kill you, type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I did it, and I managed to do it. But yeah, you're right about the quality films. But mm. then you get into like March or April, and you work out the ha, no good way to do it. Let me just check the running times of films. <laughs> Ooh, that's eighty five minutes. Oh no, this one's three hours and twenty. Fuck that! I'm not watching that till next year. <laughs> so I would end up just picking films with based on the running time and obviously on netflix you've got the 90 minutes or less section and there yeah. are some good films on there boiling points on there um, so you, you have got a lot but it's exhausting trying to watch a film a day because some days you don't feel like watching a film you're like you know what i just can't be bothered today or i'm busy or i'm, I'm podcasting or whatever it is yeah but it was tiring i'll never do that again unless i get paid to do it of course have you got a record of how, how many films you watched last year? Do you happen to know? Um, not off the top of my head. I finished on 183 last year, which was a bit less. Normally I'm around the 250 mark. But I just I don't care. I don't get paid anymore to... It looks <laughs> like... What I did is I started my list in January 2001. Yeah. Um, and then when it came to 2002, 
not 2021 when it came to 2022 yeah uh i didn't change the list for another one i just carried on on that list oh no don't do that so um i can tell you in the last two years i've watched 501 movies wow so averaging 250 a year yeah it's not bad i started my keeping list in 1999 Right. Wow. I'm looking at my Google Drive and I have spreadsheets from 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 3, 4, 5, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 2012, 2013, and 2014. So there's a few gaps there, but I actually have uh, a film list. How many did I watch? The first film I watched, right, you'll like this one, in uh, 1999 was 10 Things I Hate About You in America at the cinema, I watched 162 films that year. And there's such gems as Walt Disney's Hercules, Wild Wild West, <laughs> Truman Show, Snake Eyes, The Sixth Sense, uh, what Prince of Egypt. I watched you know a whole bunch of stuff in then. But yeah, I um, what I used to do, I think I did this in the late 80s, I think it was. I had big cinema posters. And I would turn them so it was a white background, and I would actually hand write on it, I stuck them to the wall, and yeah. I would write down the films that I'd watched for those years. But unfortunately, I don't have those posters anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I'd love to know how many films I've watched in my entire life. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, it really is a lot. So yeah, going back to the film a year, th- film a day for a year. Do you think you'll carry it on, or do you think you'll go? No, I th- no I think you- that's what I was going to say. <laughs> this year, I've decided to throw that out the window and kind of be a bit more, uh, <laughs> kind of pick pick and choose what I watch. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to have the feel the need that no. I need to watch. You know, twenty films before the next podcast. Uh, you know, every week. It's awful because I've had it in the past episodes where you and I have been talking, and um, you don't have enough time to give each film you've watched. We spend an hour and a half, two hours watching it, and on the podcast you're like, "And I watched this, and it was so and so, and and then I watched this." You've literally given it ten seconds, mm-hmm. so there's no point. But it's nice to know that on the fourth of January you've bailed out of one of your New Year's resolutions already. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, I then, uh, discovered on Amazon, uh, the movie Daddy's Home. Yep. Um, you know, for those who, you know, don't know the film, it's, uh, kind of, uh, a dad who's got, uh, stepchildren and he always wants to be the person, you know, who they call dad and they look up to him and that kind of stuff, but they don't because, you know, that's their real dad who, uh, you know, then, uh, kind of returns. Um, and, uh, you know, there's that rivalry between them, but then obviously, uh, ultimately they, they kind of become friends. Um, and, you know, it's just great. It's, you know, Will Farrell, Mark Wahlberg, um, you know, fantastic kind of comedy family film. Definitely, and then you you followed it up with the second one, didn't you? I did. Uh, it was one of the only times this has ever happened to me. I finished watching it, and then um, kind of I scrolled down on Amazon, and there was the second one on what people, uh, what else people have watched who've watched this film. And I thought, 
yes, <laughs> please do. It wasn't, you know, what's the second one? It's only a fiver. Yeah. And you, uh, so yeah. How do, what did you think of the second one? Oh, I loved it because obviously uh, we've discussed in the past, um, you know, actors that that absolutely love watching one of them being Mel Gibson. So when Mel Gibson comes in as uh, one of the fathers, uh, you know, in the second one, then you know I was instantly in at that point. Um, so uh, you know, and then you got uh, the other father, uh, John Lithgow, who. Uh, obviously uh, took the leading role in Third Rock from the Sun, which was a big, um, you know, show for me growing up as a kid. Um, yeah, absolutely loved both of them. I want a third one. You may well get one because the second one, it's not that old, is it? It's probably, what, three or four years or something like that? I think it's it's kind of recent, so it's hopefully, hopefully we'll get one. I don't remember it being 2017. There you go. And then don't don't forget, you could sort of shave off three years because of the pandemic, which pretty much oh, yeah. killed off a lot of films. So hopefully we will get uh, Daddy's Back Home again mm. at some point. I'm surprised he never did another Three Men and a Baby one, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you mean after Three Men and a Little Lady? Yeah, you think, well, it was yeah. sort of, you know, grow her up again, hover in her, like, 30s or something, but... Yeah. You know. Obviously, that that could still happen, but yeah, um, and yeah, I know what you mean. That that just seems a given. It's like a lot of films come out, and you go, "Oh, I hope they do a second one," and then they never do. And you're like, "Okay, mm. I don't quite know why you didn't do a second one to that." I'm sure there's many, many reasons. Reason number one probably being money's reason number two being schedules. But uh, you know, I, just just mentioning that, I need to go back and check my uh, top 100 list because I don't think I put Three Men and a Baby or Three Men and a Little Lady on there, and they are both amazing films that um, I have watched multiple, multiple times. Well, I was chatting with uh, Chris, formerly of The Bind. I don't know whether I can say formerly because I'm still hoping the podcast comes back, but formerly of The Bind Torturecast, and he, he listens to the episodes pretty damn fast, actually. I think last week he'd sent me a message about four hours after I'd uploaded it. And it wasn't a four-hour podcast, so it's not like he'd literally just done it. But he was probably one of the first ones to hear it. And he was listening to some of the films that we were talking about. And he's actually prompted me, because he's doing it himself, to do, like, film number 101 to 200. (laughs) (laughs) And I've started doing it. And it's like, where's mine? And I'm not going to do it for any sort of podcast challenge or whatever, because, to be honest, it was exhausting schedule-wise last year. But films that I had missed off my um, off top hundred, so mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs wasn't on there. Alien Three, Cocktail, Apocalypse Now, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, Pain and Gain. Which if you've not seen Pain and Gain, it's got The Rock and Mark Wahlberg in it. Ooh. So you know, I would highly recommend you check that out. Rambo Four, uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, McBain, which is a Christopher Walken film and features Michael Ironside. Uh, Cobra, starring Stallone, and the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Running Man. So none of those were in my top 100, but all of them should have been. So I've now started doing my 100 to 200, or rather 101 to 200 uh, film list. Because I keep, remember, I don't know whether you've, well, you have done it. You're like, why is Three Men and a Baby not in that list? Oh, yeah. oh shit. Um, so I'm starting to build it up. I'm also starting to make sure I've got the physical media of mm-hmm. my top 100. Yeah. And I've got, I think, 72 that I own, so I'm not doing too bad. And I'm going, to, ve- I'm going to venture into a CEX at some point with a list. Yeah. And go, right, let me track down the purge. Uh, Haggle with them as well. Like 
I might haggle with them. Yeah, you know, well, go go up and say, look, I want at least twenty uh, DVDs. What can you do uh, price wise for me? Well, I don't own. I've got. I mean, have I got thirty two? I don't own. So, which is weird because some of them I used to. So yeah. I, I don't quite know where my Blu-ray, uh, my DVD of some kind of wonderful Rocky Four, Stand by Me, Breakfast Club, Bruce's Millions, The Terminator, War Games, Poltergeist, Scanners, Point Break, uh, Clerk, Swimming with Sharks, Wyatt, Blair Witch, and The Purge, and a few others. I used to own all of those, but I don't know where they've gone over the years. I've got exactly the same problem. I I presume they are somewhere, mm. and I will find them one day in a box stuffed at the back of a cupboard somewhere. Probably they'll be under Addy's bed. She'll be like secretly watching your <laughs> watching your critters collection or something. Yes, um, it's it's funny though because um, uh, Three Men and a Baby was uh, was one of those um, movies that I got from my dad working on the market when he was selling VHS videos. Yeah, and for some reason it, it kind of made its way. Uh, to him but he was probably given it free by a wholesaler because it had no box and cover it was just the video okay um and again it was one of those like turner and hooch that i've mentioned before on the podcast um i then went and made my own cover for it and got a box and <laughs> stuck it in wow yeah i used to do i used to photocopy them <laughs> photocopy them or make the covers like with magazine pictures Oh, I, ne- you know, I never cut, cut them out. Cut them out. Of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I literally just got an A4 piece of paper and started drawing pictures. Oh no, I took shit seriously about that. It's like <laughs> I need, I need to make a cover that where people won't be able to tell it's a copy. Clearly, they would, or it's like just a you know VHS tape type thing. But now I used to do that. I used to get the spines and even the logos, like you know Warner Brother logo or Universal or, or Vestron or whatever, and stuff like that. I used to, yeah. Movies to me is it's a very serious business. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to. So what else you watched? Um, let me look on my list. Um, there's one more on my list, um, and it's one I mentioned to you the other day. Uh, Escape from Sobibor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you. I mean, the story that you told me about that was quite fascinating. So um, it's your story. So tell me that one. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I was just um, on Amazon uh, browsing for something to watch, as I do quite frequently, um, hoping that I wasn't going to be there for two hours. Um, and, uh, you know, this popped up. Um, it told me that um, its release date was 2022. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I quickly read the blurb. Um, and I thought, you know what, this sounds like my kind of film. I stuck it on, and and literally from the first few seconds, I was almost scratching my head going, they have done the best job ever of making this film look like it was shot kind of 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, they they made it look like it was released in 1987, didn't it? Absolute (laughs) genius. They made it look like a 1987 television movie <laughs> mm-hmm. starring Rutger Hauer and yeah. Alan Arkin. With obviously uh, de-aging uh, technology on, on Rutger. Certainly was because he died a few years ago. So it's <laughs> like that's even that's even more impressive de-aging technology, isn't it? So, uh, but it, it doesn't matter that it was made in the 80s. You know, Amazon make that mistake all the time. Yeah, they do. And I thought the film was... F- 
fantastic. I know it's a it's a horrible, horrible subject. Yeah. Uh, you know what, what happened, kind of the Jewish population during uh, during the war, but at the end when you see the kind of 300 of them escape out of, I I think the camp had 600. So like 50% of the the camp population managed to get away. You think, well, good, you know, some, some good came, you know, you know, they, they kind of took destiny into their own hands, kind of formed a plan, saw it through and half of them made it out, which, you know, if, they'd all stayed there and not tried then obviously that wouldn't have happened no they wouldn't have made it out and there wouldn't be a movie called escape from sobibor either but no i I watched that in funnily enough 1987 um that's how i instantly knew when it was on and then i think over the years i've seen it a couple of times on on vhs and then i had it on dvd at one point so it is out there on disc and um but yeah it's it's a cracker of a see i think for me those are the kind of movies I'd like to uh, either people recommend or or just kind of come across because um, you know the the there are kind of the movies that that are dated and I'm not talking about how they look because obviously I looked at that film and went wow this looks like it was filmed 40 years ago I'm not on about that it's on yeah. you know I don't want to go and watch a kind of a a 40 year old film with terrible special effects because somebody decided you know what i can make my spectrum do cgi graphics (laughs) yeah um shout out shout out to avatar there yep (laughs) (laughs) um however a film like that you know that is just such a, a great film well written you know obviously based on a true story so there wasn't um you know uh, a lot of fantasy in there, you know, a lot of it came from, you know, stories of people who were there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the kind of films that hopefully I'll get to see more of this year. It's based on a book, apparently, it's Escape from Sobibor, so there is a book out there uh-huh. by it. So Richard Rashk apparently wrote that. Uh, thank you, IMDB, for letting me know that. But uh, but yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, it's, and you said that was on Amazon Prime? It was. Nice, nice. So I was going to tell you another story about something. Oh, yeah, in the video, uh, yeah, you're on about, you like that sort of films. I knew I was headed somewhere. Well, when I had the video store around the, or rather when I worked in it, around the early 90s, there was, obviously you got your Warner Brothers and Universal and your Vestrons and your, you know, all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. there was a video label called Odyssey. And what Odyssey used to do was specialise in these sort of TV movies. So things like, who will love my children? You know, that was a fucking huge... You literally had to buy one copy of this, any of these Odyssey titles and they would just rent the socks off for months, <laughs> months and months and months. And it was all about things like, you know, the who will love my children or whatever. It's uh, so somebody has a custody battle of children and mm-hmm. there was a lot of serial killer ones out there. So, uh, Wayne Gacy, there was one about that. And that's where you would probably find a lot of these Escape from Sobibor mm-hmm. type things. And so, yeah, I don't know. Odyssey's unfortunately not a thing now, but they were huge. You could just, you would look down the sheets of films coming out. You'd be like, hey, up, Odyssey title. I'll have one of them, please. And there was just a certain audience for it, like the wrestling VHSs. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we sort of worked out very quickly if you just buy one copy of the WrestleMania uh, whatever. Good old then, Silver Vision. Yep, it would just rent its socks off 
constantly, <laughs> constantly, these things would just be in and out all the time. Speaking of the, the, the wrestling VHS, though, I always find that fascinating looking back at them now. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, but all the Silver Vision um, uh, kind of WWF at the time wrestling um, VHS tapes yeah. all had the, the bar at the top that kind of moves back once you put it into uh, the, the VHS yeah, yeah. Uh, player. That was blue, and yeah, it was their yeah. way of saying, "Look, you know, if this is blue, this is genuine." Yeah. And now looking back on it, I think, you know what? That's ridiculous. Yeah, a lot, uh, quite a few. Something was coloured blue. Quite a few used to do that. It would. I mean, sometimes you would even get the cassette itself that was a different colour, not necessarily on the wrestling ones, but there was yeah. there was certain ones where it'd be like, you know, pink or white. There was a few white ones popping around now and again, but mm-hmm. no, I remember the uh, the things being sort of different colours and stuff. It's yeah. very, very strange. Nowadays, you'd look at it and go, just swap it for another one. Yeah. It's like nobody get, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's like, and no customers ever went, oh, oh, oh this isn't a blue one. Can I have a blue <laughs> one, please? Because this is not real. They didn't give a shit. They didn't care. Obviously, they would complain. I'm not saying I rented Pirates movies out, but, <laughs> but, they, but they would never come in and, yeah. and go, oh, excuse me. Um, because you know they didn't even know how to rewind a fucking videotape, let alone check to make sure it was an original. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, the, I keep meaning to do, and at some point I will do a series of podcasts just on my experiences of video stores, right back from when I used to just loiter around one as an oink in the early eighties, right through to to running one and what that was like. So at some point, that's on my to do list at some point. But let me tell tell you a quick funny story actually of of working on. Uh, uh, a market store selling VHS uh, tapes. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's not about VHS tapes at all. It's about audio CDs, because when you sell VHS tapes, you sell audio CDs, you sell um, audio tapes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, you you imagine uh, a market, unfortunately, you know, as your unloading is setting up, packing up, there are days, especially when it comes to winter, where it's absolutely chucking it down. So, you know, the the stock you have does get wet. There is no kind of way to stop it because, no. you know, although your stall is covered, you've got sheets, um, you know, rain can blow sideways with the wind. And like I say, when you're actually picking the boxes of videos up and taking them back to the van at the end of the day or or setting up in the morning, you're walking through rain, snow, whatever. So these things get wet. And um, I remember somebody um, asking my dad, they, they picked up an audio CD and, um, and opened it, and there was drops of water on the <gasps> audio CD where obviously some rain had got in and it kind of condensated and oh, was no. still sitting there. And uh, they were like, you know, oh, there's, there's water on this. Have you got one that doesn't have water? And, uh, you know... Being my dad, uh, his reply was very quick, completely made up, and said, oh, you don't have to worry. This modern technology is built fantastically. You can take that CD out. You can put it in a bucket of water for a month. Take it out, and it'll still play perfectly fine like uh, uh, it was brand new, so don't worry about it. It would. 
Because yeah. you could you could put like jam and shit on them, couldn't you? That was the whole which yeah. is which we know now is bullshit, really, isn't it? Because how often I look after my CDs, mm-hmm. I really do. They always go back in the case; they're never left like lying around on rugs. But you open your little CD case six months after you've listened to it last. There's a lot of scratches on them things, and I don't know where they came from. So this whole <laughs> you can frisbee them and bounce them off pebble dash walls is horseshit. Mm-hmm. So and it did pull the same crap with DVDs as well, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can do whatever you want with a DVD. You can dance on it. You spill coffee on it. You can cook it in the microwave for four hours. It's fine. No. (laughs) No, you cannot. Because sometimes they just rot themselves. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few that have done that over the past. So, um, but yeah. But yeah, from that day, whenever uh, I was selling a a soggy CD on the market, it was always the the go-to story. I used to get a lot of people bringing videotapes back and they would go, oh, it uh, didn't work on my machine. Oh, really? Okay. It's, even though it's like at the end of the film now for some reason. <laughs> oh, did it know what? What was it? Oh, I wouldn't play. So you didn't watch it then? No, no, no. Can I have my money back? Let me just test it. Oh, it's work. Oh, it didn't work on mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to get a lot of people trying to pull fast ones. Uh, my favourite one is the person that took a film to London for like two weeks, brought it back, and then, you know, good old late fees, they're amazing. And that's why you used to always try and recommend good films that were not going to rent their arse off on their own. Yeah. So there's the whole technique to renting things. You don't go, hey, look, Terminator 2's in. Have that if it's just come out, because they're going to rent anyway. You would always go, oh, Leon, you've never seen Leon. That's amazing. Rent that one. Mm-hmm. Because they would bring it back in two weeks, and you would get two weeks' worth of Leon money. It was amazing. But yeah, brought it back from London. Right, your late fees are like 14 quid or whatever it was. Well, I only watched it once. Yeah, no, that that was a genuine excuse that they had. Still not as funny as the couple that brought a film back and it actually brought back a whole movie of them uh, uh, having sex with each other, which was amazing. (laughs) And then, uh, because you do, you you would get it a lot because people would, you know what it was like, the the videotapes would be in a, another case so you'd never give them in like the terminator or star trek case it would always be something with your shop logo on Mm -hmm. so you know take the tape out put it in and then when it would come back a lot of the time they would just rush in put it on the counter because they were either in a hurry or there's a late fee it's one of the two put it down the counter leg it and you obviously have to open it up to make sure and then that it's the right film and then put it back on the back wall with its little Mm -hmm. number on it and you would instantly know that it's somebody's blank tape because there's no label on it. It doesn't say Gremlins or oh, it's got one of them blue spines on it. Mm-hmm. So you learned quickly to go, I'm just going to see what's on it. And I did. And yeah, they were on it. And then so, <laughs> so you would have to phone them back up and go, I'm sorry, you brought the wrong tape back. All right, no, I'll, I'll drop the correct one off tomorrow. All right. So the guy comes back in and he said, uh, oh, sorry about that. I just I put the wrong tape. Oh, I don't worry about it. It's, not a problem <laughs> rather attractive wife um, and he sort of said to me he said oh uh, you didn't watch it did you I went no so what, what was on it he went oh just football I'm like alright bye <laughs> really wasn't football although somebody did score um, but it wasn't it wasn't you know 22 men on a pitch it was mm-hmm. just it was just one man and his wife so yeah after that you just made damn sure you checked every single videotape that came back in but uh, but yes that was a nice little digression to, to vhs and video stores mm-hmm. so uh so what else what you, what else have you watched film wise or is that it that is it glass onion you haven't watched glass onion i haven't are you going to have you seen knives out 
I haven't. Right, okay, so I won't delve into Glass Onion too much then. It is Knives Out and uh, Glass Onion, which is the second one, are on Netflix, so that's where you can watch them. Starring Daniel Craig as, uh, I've forgotten forgotten his freaking character name, but he's basically Poirot, really. Okay. Uh, And it is murder mysteries type thing. It's made by Ryan Johnson, who is a huge Agatha Christie fan, so it's not like he's ripping Agatha Christie off. He just loves Agatha Christie movies. Um, Benoit Blanc, that's his name. So that's who Daniel Craig plays. But it's like the second one, Dave Bautista's in there. We like Dave Bautista. Mm-hmm. He's great. and uh, So, yeah, it's just like a murder mystery type thing. But Glass Onion, I think, is currently the number one film on Netflix. You can actually watch Glass Onion if you've not seen Knives Out and watch them whichever way because they're standalone stories. So you don't okay. necessarily have to watch them in either way. But they are good. They are Addy friendly, so you would be fine. A lot of people are saying they preferred Knives Out to the first, to the Glass Onion. I like mm-hmm. the second one. I like Glass Onion more, but they're both good. So I will. I uh, I'll check it out. I have seen it on uh, Netflix or Amazon, yeah. whichever one it is. Netflix. And uh, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll check it out. I also watched Stardust, which I'd never, ever seen before. Good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was chatting to Annette about that film. I said, look, I said, when it comes to something like Die Hard, you go, I kind of know how they wrote Die Hard, because it's like a uh, bunch of terrorists in a building, a cop gets stuck in there, he's got to stay alive and take out terrorists. Right, I know how to write that. Star Trek, I know how to write that, because that's like a bunch of people on a spaceship and they've got this five-year mission and they mm-hmm. bump into all these alien races. I know how to write that. Looking at Stardust, where the crap do you start with that? I remember, and genuinely, it's like this film, it's not, it's not a complicated film, but there's just so much in it and so many different layers to this thing. You go, I don't even know when Neil Gaiman started mm. going, oh, I've got an idea. It's about a wall with a hole in it, and somebody goes <laughs> over this wall, and they're in another kingdom. But then you've got these, it's just like, it's a very cool film. It's one mm. of those that's been on my list for, for many, many years. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get round to watching it. And Annette sort of forced me to watch it over Christmas. She's like, I want to watch Stardust. I'm like, all right. I'll finally, I'll get it out of the way. Really good film. You see, I reckon these films like uh, like Stardust comes come from people's dreams. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you know the, they say uh, you know the human brain you know is largely untapped. I reckon you go to sleep and you, your brain kind of unlocks more of itself. So you wake up and you go, oh, I had such a strange dream. You know, there's this wall with a hole in it. and yeah. yeah. But it was clever. Very clever. I like that film. But so Annette loves it. She thinks Stardust is great, but she hates The Princess Bride. Oh. Now, she hasn't seen it all, but I, I'm baffled by how she can like uh, Stardust and mm. not like The Princess Bride. And another film that I watched that she she said, oh my God, you've not seen that, you've got to watch it. And I thought, sod it, I'll, I'll finally get around to watching it, is Tim Burton's Big Fish. Okay. Which I'd never, ever seen. I started I've to watch it. it. I, it's, it's pure Tim Burton. It's just weirder than Tim Burton. And again, it reminds me of Stardust and The Princess Bride and Annette loves Stardust and, the, and, uh, and Big Fish but hates The Princess Bride. So I'm like, I don't understand. (laughs) It just makes no sense at all. But no, Big Fish, I think you may like. It's Mm -hmm. very, again, it's Addy friendly. It is pure Tim Burton. It's just, you know, you 
you could sort of watch it and go, is this Tim Burton that's done that? <laughs> and you'd be right. So we watched that one. Uh, I introduced Annette to... So you're starting to tell my uh, sort of way of watching films. It's just random. It's going to be mm-hmm. random as shit this year, but that's pretty much what I want to do. Uh, I introduced her to the Steven Spielberg-directed Hook. Oh, good film. Which she had never seen, and it was on over Christmas, so we recorded it, and I watched it again, and I'd forgotten a lot of it, and it was bugging her who was playing Captain Hook. <laughs> and then when, <laughs> when I told her it was Dustin Hoffman, she's like, is it? I'm like, yeah. She went, doesn't look like him. I'm like, that's because he's dressed like a pirate. But there's a lot of cameos in that. I still keep trying to find the Michael Jackson one, because apparently yeah. he's in there, and I cannot find him. And I don't want to go on the internet and go, where is he? Because it kind of spoils it. But he's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I watched Hook. I watched a Mel Gibson film. So I was going to intersect when you were talking about Mel Gibson, but I thought, mm-hmm. no, I won't do it. And this is one from 2022. Oh. And it is called Hot Seat. Now, okay, tell uh, me more. Mel Gibson is a bomb disposal expert. He is partnered with... I got, and I've forgotten the guy's name, but he played Crabman in My Name is Earl. I don't know if you've seen My Name is Earl, but he was he was in that. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Dillon from Entourage, uh, Matt Dillon's brother, he is a hacker and he gets a, he's sitting at work one day and he gets a message over the sort of intercom saying, don't get out your chair because I've strapped a bomb to it. He's like, oh, shit. So he has he's been forced to hack into all these money accounts and steal money. And Mel Gibson is the bomb disposal person on the outside that's got to try and rescue Kevin Dillon and stop him from getting his arse blown. Uh, it's a good film. And it was weird. It's like the, the film's director, James Cullen Bresick, he was on my podcast years ago. Oh. Many, many years ago. And it's like, I really want to get him on again because it's like, since he was on my podcast, and I'm not taking credit for it, but since then he's worked with Mel Gibson, he's worked with Bruce Willis, he's working with all these like A-listers. I'll take the credit. And You're I'll, welcome. You're welcome. And I want to get him back on going, so what have you been up to since we last spoke? Because it's like, <laughs> it's just, he's it's, it's doing really well for himself, is James. So yeah, hot seat. I would recommend watching that when you can. Sounds good. I also watched a film called Our Ladies from 2019, which is uh, set in 90s Scotland. And it's a group of Catholic girls that decide we're going to go to Edinburgh to get laid. <laughs> oh, um, so it's kind of like Derry Girls. If you've ever seen Derry Girls, if you haven't, nope. it's on Netflix. It's very funny. Very, very Scot- I mean, Derry Girls, obviously, London Derry. So that's Ireland. But, but mm-hmm. it's a similar sort of format. So foul mouth schoolgirls swearing and trying to get laid and get drunk all the time. Very <laughs> funny. But it's it takes a massive shift at one point in the film. And I put out on Twitter that um, that I'd watched it and this guy replied he's like oh my god and the next thing he dropped me a DM he's like what about that ending on my in it it was uh, yeah cracking film and hopefully I've not spoiled too much but I don't think I have but so our, what's that one called again Cause it's, it's called Our Ladies okay. from 2019 let's say my choice of movie watching is just all over the place and it probably will be for the remainder of the year because I'm quite enjoying it, to be honest. Uh, the next one I've watched is from 1985, starring Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis and, and Lucas Haas, and it's Witness. Don't, have you seen Witness? Do you nope. remember Witness? Okay, Harrison Ford plays this uh, detective called John Book, and mm-hmm. the, a little Amish kid uh, witnesses an execution by 
Danny Glover of all. So young Danny Glover oh, in there. Danny. So uh, the bad guys find out that there was a witness and try and track him down. Harrison Ford sort of legs it back to the Amish community with Kelly McGillis and her son, played by Lucas Haas, and ends up sort of not disguising himself as Amish, but yes, he kind of pretty much just does disguise himself <laughs> as an Amish person whilst trying to protect. So it's kind of like a Dances with Wolves type thing. You know when you go to a place and you go, eh, I'm just here for a little bit, and then you mm-hmm. sort of adopt the way that they're living and you learn, ah, actually, I quite like you people, you I quite like your lifestyle sort of thing. It's that sort of film. It's very good. Yep. So that's Witness from 1985. Uh, the, we are partway through The Ten Commandments, which is not the shortest film in the world. So we recorded that over Christmas. It is, with adverts, four hours and 44 minutes long. Wow. Minus adverts, it is three hours and 39 minutes long because the director, Cecil B. DeMille, comes on at the beginning and gives you a nice little introduction in front of some cinema curtains and tells you that the film is going to be three hours and 39 minutes long. Cracker of a movie, definitely one of the big epics like Ben-Hur and Spartacus and and stuff like that. But uh, I've seen it before and it hasn't. So, you know, so we're watching that one. And... Uh, last night I watched another film that I've never ever seen from 1951. Told you I was all over the place. The African Queen. Oh, tell me more. Uh, I thought it was going to be about big game hunted for some reason because in 1987 or 78 or something, I think it was late 80s, Clint Eastwood did a film called White Hunter Black Heart where he plays a film director called John Houston, who is mm-hmm. the dad of Angelica Houston. And he takes the role of directing this film called The African Queen so he can go big game hunting in Africa because he really liked hunting. Um, And I thought, well, The African Queen clearly has got something to do with hunting because of this Clint Eastwood. No, I was wrong. It (laughs) uh, It stars Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. And Catherine Hepburn and her brother, who's not played by Humphrey Bogart, they are missionaries in an African nation somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's during World War Two, And the Germans show up and decide, oh, hang on a minute, let's burn down this African village because that's what we do and mm-hmm. displace everybody. Uh, the brother dies. Catherine Hepburn's left on her own. And this little ship, little boat shows up called the African Queen, piloted by a very alcoholic Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> so he then rescues her and is like, right, well, what we'll do is we'll just get out of here on my little ramshackle boat thing and it's about their journey up the river, and they then decide, oh, I know what's a good idea. Let's convert some oxygen tanks into torpedoes and take out a German boat. <laughs> so that's... But what a, what a good film. Do you know, though, and I don't know whether you've done it with some films, but you've put off watching it for ages. You go, mm-hmm. kind of good. And then when you watch it, you sort of go, why did I not watch this earlier? Mm-hmm. Why have I not watched this years ago? And that, I think the African Queen is definitely one of those. It was really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I sat and watched that one. Has there ever been a film like that for you where you, you sort of go, no, no. I mean, to be fair, Steve Jobs will be one. I know this for a fact. It won't. I will. I was chatting to Abel about it the other night and I was uh, I was saying, you've never watched it. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because he doesn't like, like Steve Jobs or anything. He's like, yeah, but it's not about Steve Jobs. Like, I know that, Abel. I know that. So what you're saying is the marketing department did a rubbish job in naming the film. No, they did a good job in making a film. Um, They just, I think people's perceptions 
of what the film is going to be is misguided. It's and I'm, I can't think of an example of that. But Abel was straight on it. He was like, "Yeah, but it's not." And I'm like, "I know, Abel. You don't have to convert me. I love the movie." And uh, all you got to do is remember, Bob hates Steve Jobs, hates Apple, loved the movie after he watched it. So just keep that in your head. And then when you watch mm-hmm. it, it's such a. There is a reason that is in my top ten films of all time. You know, way the cat from outer space didn't get a look in. <laughs> it might it might have done if, uh, if Steve Jobs wasn't a thing, but 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 there you go. You know, unless there's terrorists or something like that, and he takes them out with, uh, you know, his iPhone, then uh, I, I don't know. It's still not looking good. There could be at some point. I tell you, I'll do you a deal, right? I will watch, and you're just going to go. No, if you don't watch it, I don't really give a shit. So it's fine. <laughs> but I I will watch Anna and the Apocalypse <laughs> if you watch Steve Jobs. I don't care. Exactly. Say, so you're just missing out. I, I know it's a good film. That's all that matters. I know Steve Jobs is great. It's, it's a cracking movie. So everybody... Um, you know what? If it's available on a free platform for me, yep. then I'll try and watch it this weekend. And then you can just message me and go, okay, you don't have to make me feel too bad, but you were right. Yep. But what if I say you were wrong? Then you'll say, no, you just say that you liked like, it, really. No, I'll be like, you, well, you clearly not watched it then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's Danny Boyle that did it. Danny Boyle has never done a bad film. I know you can sort of say yes, but this might be his first. But Danny Boyle has a cracking filmography, if you think about it. So two train spotting movies, Shallow Grave, Millions, mm-hmm. um, Sunshine, which I'm sure if you've not seen that, you would love that because it's a science fiction thing. Um, obviously Steve Jobs uh, 127 hours cracking you look at Danny Boyle's filmography and he has not set a foot wrong in my opinion and you're going to go yes he has because it's Steve Jobs but you know it's it's a great film but this is not a podcast solely about Steve Jobs um, so I can't even remember where I digressed to on that one <laughs> so what have you got lined up for the to watch this week then anything or nothing um, no, nothing really. Nothing. So I don't even know what I'm watching tonight. Me either. No. Uh, obviously, um, you know, when I uh, finish this podcast, I think I'll go and have a look to see if Steve Jobs is on anything. Yeah. yeah. And I and I will attempt to start watching it, but if I'm not feeling it in the first ten minutes, it will get put off. Oh, so it's serious. I genuine. I'm not just saying that will, to will make it, you will watch. It I love that. Me in the first ten or fifteen minutes. I I would say yes, but I can't remember the first ten or fifteen minutes. But I just I just remember it's one of those that that I knew I was watching a cracking film pretty much as soon as I put it on. Okay. But I will probably dig out my Blu-ray and um, I mean, if you don't find it on the platform, then you know next time I see you, we'll sit down and we'll watch Steve Jobs on my nice Blu-ray. But uh, fair enough. But it is but it is very good, very good. So guess what's coming out next week on the 9th of January. Wolf Manor. Wolf Manor is coming out, Rob. Wolf Manor? Wolf Manor, a.k.a. Scream of the Wolf in America. Well, you know what? What? When I am legally allowed to post the review, (laughs) people will be able to read what I think of Wolf Manor on popculture.com. I love the fact that you're embargoed and I'm not. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All because I didn't go back to the PR company going, yeah, I'll watch that, because I've already seen it, Rob. 
Mm-hmm. I have already seen it, but it's I've co- already seen it. What did I'm you think, Rob? Not allowed to, not talk, allowed to talk, about talk about it. it. I find that really. I mean, I I do understand embargoes, right? I, I get them and I follow them, but isn't it weird how it's like we've both seen the same film, mm-hmm. right? You're embargoed by the PR company because they don't yes. want you to talk about it until the ninth. I'm not embargoed. I watched it while sitting two to three feet away from the people that made the film. <laughs> and then after the film had finished, I sat down for 15 to 20 minutes with the people who made the film and had my own little interview slash podcast with them mm-hmm. to discuss the film. <laughs> I can now share my review of Wolf Manor right across the internet and across to Facebook and, and all that sort of stuff. And you're not allowed to. No. To be fair, um, <laughs> it's weird to uh, to do my best at kind of um, being one of the first to get my review online. Obviously, well, you're not, but you know, all the other people <laughs> yeah. like yourself. Um, it is set to go live um, at midnight when I am allowed oh, nice. to post it. So uh, it's already written. It's already sitting in the database of yeah. my website. It's just not showing yet. Well, I haven't written mine yet, but it's all in my head. Um, I can talk about Wolf Manor, so it's great. Wolf Manor is it's directed by Dominic Brunt, who mm-hmm. you know people will know from Paddy in Emmerdale. That's who he plays in Emmerdale. Very funny story. So we're we're, we're at Grimfest. And Abel was volunteering, he was helping out, managed to get my gig there, doing that. So he, he runs over to me at the escalator, there's, there's Abel, and he's like, is that the guy from Emmerdale? I'm like, yes, it is. He's like, I thought it was, I thought I was going crazy, and then he ran back. And I've got a really cool picture of Abel trying to get uh, Dominic Brunt's chip and pin working so he could buy a T-shirt. It was, it, <laughs> so me and Annette were watching it, and the, the machine was going a bit wonky, and me and Annette were laughing their head off going, how embarrassed does Abel feel? This, this machine is like, oh, I'm working a minute. It did work. He got his T-shirt, so that was, that was quite nice. But, uh, but yeah, Abel got to meet Dominic Brunt. Um, but, yeah, Wolf Manor, British film. I only knew the title, and I knew who was in it and who made it and stuff. I didn't know what the plot was. So I sat down in the Grimfest Theatre and it came on. I loved the film. I thought, because it's not easy to do um, something different with werewolves or vampires or mummies or or stuff. You can chip in without breaking embargoes and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's not you easy know, to I, do something I, different. very much going to chip in because my embargo says I'm not allowed to post my review. This is so yeah. when I chip in, it won't be a review. I'll just comment on different mm. aspects of the film. Yep. So obviously you've got the American Werewolf in London. You've got mm-hmm. your, the Howling. You've you know uh, Howl is a good one. You've got Twilight if you like that sort of thing, which I don't. But it's not easy to do something different with a werewolf film, mm-hmm. especially on a lower budget, which yeah. makes it even trickier to do something good with a werewolf film. So Wolf Manor is a it's set in a house where this film crew are making a horror movie, and things go wrong, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> don't necessarily need to be really sort of secretive about what it is that's causing it because the film's called Wolf Manor. But I was laughing my head off watching this film. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's a horror film. It's a, would you describe it as a comedy that's got horror things in it or a horror that's got comedy in it? It's, I, I can't um, decide which it is. It's just it's a weird one. It's like... It is. It's, it's, you know, there's plenty of blood and guts and stuff in it. Um, 
So I don't. I suppose yes, it's a comedy horror or horror comedy. Just it's both of those. So it's not one's not more dominant. But what I and I remember saying to Dominic, I said what I loved what you did about the film is you managed to do something that a lot of films fall flat on. So uh, you know you prolonged the joke. Mm-hmm. So there are there's quite a few instances of this in the film as well where somebody's doing or saying something funny and you laugh because it's funny, and then they keep doing it. And it's still funny. Now, normally you get to the point where you go, okay, that's gone on too long now. It's no longer <laughs> funny. But they didn't. It carried on and it was still funny. Yeah. Um, and it, for example, there was there's a scene at the beginning where, the, and this isn't spoilery or anything, but this was like the first instance of I'm going to enjoy this film, where one of the lead characters is pulling faces in a mirror going, mm, mm, and he does it and he, it's funny. And then he stops for a second and he does it again. Yeah, it's still funny. And then he pauses, and he does it again, and it's still funny. And it's like, so he does that. the The film has quite a few times where the joke gets prolonged, and I I just love that about. It. I had an absolute blast watching Wolf Manor, and poor old Dominic Brunt I think was shitting himself because he was he was uh, he introduced the screening, and his opening thing was, "What am I supposed to say about this?" I'm looking over there, and you've got Mick Garris in the audience, who, who wrote Hocus Pocus and who directed Sleepwalkers and a whole bunch of stuff. You've got Neil Marshall sitting in the audience who did The Descent and Dog Soldiers. So you're like all these filmmakers just all sitting in a row, staring at Dominic Brunt. He's like, oh, shit, what am I supposed to say? So he looked a little bit nervous, as you would be. But I really, really enjoyed Wolf Manor. I do have my interview with them, which I will share at some point. Uh, it is on YouTube if you want to go look at that. But... At one point in the uh, the interview with Dominic Brunt and stuff, I, I talk about, yeah, I'm going to quit my job soon anyway. And they're like, you do realise you're saying that on camera? I'm like, I don't care. I'm not bothered. So that's why I've not shared that widely across Facebook yet. <laughs> um, but it's no secret I'm going to quit my day job at some point anyway. But, but yes, well, Wolf Manor, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So You know, I have to kind of chip in. One thing I really liked about Wolf Manor Yeah. Um, was uh the uh well one the location i think it was fantastic it doesn't yeah. look cheap it doesn't look nasty it is a proper lovely location um and two um the actual um monster design the werewolf design mm. again it doesn't look cheap and nasty which you know no offense to kind of uh, British filmmakers who are doing things on a budget over here but a lot of the time the effects can be rather sketchy yep Whereas, you know, the, this film was kind of spot on. I loved the werewolf. I thought the design was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. I think they used the werewolf enough. Mm. So, you know, like you say with low-budget films and stuff, you've got to be very clever about how often you use the one thing that people will look at and go, is this film low-budget? Mm. And I think they got the, they got the use of the, the werewolf creature's perfectly they used it yeah. just enough but i think the cast were just i had a blast i really did so i'm hoping for wolf manor 2 at some point but uh yeah there you go so wolf manor is out on digital and dvd and stuff from the 9th of january so that is good i'm going to give a shout out to a podcast okay uh, i'm not one of these it's like oh no not mentioning anybody else's podcast because i want people to listen to this one 
I would like people to listen to this one. And if people aren't listening to this one, you're not going to hear me recommending another one, are you? So it's no big loss. <laughs> but uh, but between Christmas and New Year, like we sort of discussed, everything dies, everything dies down. It's like, oh, the, you know, weekly podcasts just aren't the thing. Everybody bails out about the 20th, yeah. including this one, because we had a week off. And so I sort of was pointed in the direction of a podcast called Dead Air. It's actually called Splatter Pictures Dead Air Podcast, so you can go find that one. And it's got two hosts, uh, Wes and Lydia, and they they kind of do what we're doing, but they sort of focus on one film. Okay. So, you know, they would do like a 90-minute or two-hour thing on Wolf Manor, for example. And so it's my type of show. It's just two people having a conversation. But they've done like 200 and something episodes. So there's a shit ton of back catalogue episodes for me to listen to. They've been recording for years. So I thought, right, well, I'm not going to start at episode number one because by the time I catch up to the new ones, I'll be about 75 years old or whatever. So I'm just going to look at the episode titles and cherry pick a bunch of the ones that, oh, like, they, they did one. The one I listened to today was for Fire in the Sky, the alien abduction film, which if you've not seen that, it's great. Um, so they did one on that one. I've listened to one on Hills of Eyes. So they did one on the mm-hmm. original Wes Craven film as well as the remake. So I'm just going through all of those at the minute. But I am definitely digging Splatter Pictures Dead Air podcast. So, I, you know, if you like stuff like this, only done a bit better with better voices, uh, then then check out that one. But I've got. I'll make sure to put in an anonymous request for uh, Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Would that be classed as a horror film? Yeah, so some, why not? Some, some actually, <laughs> some do say. It depends uh, if you like Ewoks or not, doesn't it? If, yeah. you, if you don't like Ewoks, then that thing's a horror movie. But I find it's, um, I mean, the sort of the Dead Air podcast, it's nudging me in the direction of, oh, I'm going to watch that. So, yeah. like I said, I'd listen to the Fire in the Sky podcast. I have not seen Fire in the Sky for ages, so I'm going to track that there, rewatch that one. And then it got me thinking, what are the other good alien abduction movies? So I'm going to go to, probably down a whole wormhole of alien abduction movies and stuff like that. But uh, but no, I would definitely I'd check that podcast out. It's very, very good. Well, I are talking about alien abductions and UFOs and all of that kind of uh, wonderful stuff. Yeah. Uh, I am hoping at some point in the future, uh, when um, you you come to Landed No for a holiday or something. You're or, staying for a few days or longer. Yep, or longer. Um, that me and you maybe can uh, go and spend uh, a, a night in the summer uh, up on the Orm looking for UFOs because apparently it is one of the most um, kind of is one of the best places in the UK for UFO spotters. It's, this isn't Neil Johnson fucking around with a drone, is it? Because that's the sort of... <laughs> could be. That's the sort of thing that he may do. Just to, So let's not tell Neil what day we're there, shall we? Because then knowing him, yep. he'll have some sort of big, you know, starship, time war, crazy thing flying around over our heads. And, it, and if you don't see a UFO, I can pretty much guarantee... You that- see doggers. <laughs> no, you'll see some right. of the best... Uh, kind of starscapes that 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 you'll see because there's there's no lights on it up there oh, at night. Nice. It's pitch black. We've been up there before when um you know when we go through some kind of um meteor belt or something and they say oh keep a lookout yeah but you never really see them in your back garden because there's <laughs> yeah. that much light. We've been up there um just 
probably about 12 months ago um and i'm not joking uh this was a night that where we where you're supposed to be able to see meteors and within 60 seconds of getting out the car and being in proper pitch black conditions we saw one and then we saw another and another it was fantastic nice being i think i did something like that in australia many many years ago and we went to the middle of nowhere and there was zero light pollution and mm-hmm. i managed to uh get photos of the star fields oh. i mean that's not on the sort of camera that i've got now so i can only imagine what sort of uh mind you my camera usage should be all fucking blurred wouldn't it um <laughs> but yeah that sort of stuff so yeah no i'm definitely up for that so i Fantastic. i did message you earlier saying what a celeb story you did and this sort of stems from uh you know people passing away and stuff like that you go why do people never share all these stories before people have passed away and i'm not you know don't focus your story on somebody who may be going to go this year but just I, i like the fact that you've done a lot of stuff i've done a lot of stuff and yet a lot of these stories that we've got we just I don't know. We don't do anything with them. We, they just stay in our head, or they'll they'll get talked about on a phone conversation or something. So I want to start putting some of these uh, into the the podcast universe and stuff. So who did you pick? I don't want to say. Okay, that's kind of um, kind of defeating the whole point of the topic. Then no, I, I want to tell the story first, <laughs> right, okay, and then reveal who the person is at the end. <laughs> okay. Yep, go for it. Over over to you, Rob. Okay, so um, you, back in the day, um, you know, when, um, you know, the 90s, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. You imagine being a kid, you go, you'd go shopping with your parents or whatever, but you wouldn't want to walk around a shop with them so um when you were a certain age your parents were fine with you kind of wandering the aisles on your own while they did the shopping and then you meet up at the end yeah so we went to a a popular retail store that's all i'm saying at this point and um it just so happened that there was one of those big pvc banners out the front that said today meet x in store you know celebrity guest so, um, you know, being me, wow, celebrity guest, um, I'll go and do my own thing. And, uh, I, uh, headed over in the direction of, uh, this celebrity guest and, uh, probably spent 25, 30 minutes with this guest because, you know, I'm a kid at the age of 10. I don't care if I'm sticking around longer than I should. Um, all I knew is, you know, this was, this was pretty amazing um that i was getting to to meet somebody of uh, such high stature um and and to be fair there was there was not a lot of other people there um so it didn't mind that i was hogging this person's time anyway by the end of the um kind of 25 30 minutes i managed to spend with this person um we had held hands and uh i'd even uh, managed to get a, a kiss on the cheek how how long do you hold hands with them uh probably for 
I want to say a good five, six minutes. No, I think you said like five hours or something. <laughs> Until the <laughs> security snapped long. us apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that that is my story uh, of probably meeting my very first celebrity. Okay. Um, and the celebrity was the Dulux dog. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't have seen that coming. There's a curveball for you. I think somewhere I've just heard Abel piss himself. Um, <laughs> Abel, let me know if you did. I wouldn't be surprised if you did. Okay, well, I will try and beat the Dulux dog. Uh, not beat the Dulux dog, because that's, you know, Petter would be on my case if I did that. But I, I was trying to think. It's like I've just... I think together we've just met so many famous people. It, mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but it's... I'm always conscious of certainly when I go into a new workplace and people are like, oh, I watch such and such. And my instinct is to go, yep, met them. Yep, met them. <laughs> and I did it at the one that I currently work at. I remember doing it. And they're like, oh, such and such. Yeah, yeah, they follow me on Twitter. Yeah, I know them. And it's like, I can just hear myself. I sound like such a. And we've all met these people like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, if you've met people like that, what are you doing here? You know, that sort of thing. And it's like, oh my God, but I have. I have met mm. lots of crazy people. And I was trying to think of some of the what my favourite ones. So it's not necessarily the biggest ones. But I was given a press pass for the Newcastle Film Festival in 2018. So it was the first time that they were doing this festival. And I sort of, I'd met Craig Conway, who's been in a whole bunch of stuff. So, you, can, you know, if you know who Craig Conway is, he's great, great filmography, stuff like Dog Soldiers and, and whatnot. Um, and so he and I got on okay. He was helping out with this film festival. He was one of the sort of organisers, and I, he managed to get me a press pass. He's like, just come up and just do all these interviews. And there wasn't so many interviews, but it was just a case of just show up and watch everything for nothing. All right, brilliant. Do coverage. So I did all that. And they would start to announce guests, and they announced that Sean Pertwee was going to be there. I'm like, that's amazing to get to meet Sean Pertwee. And Jules Holland was going to be there, and Neil Marshall, and Jake West, and all these people. And I'm like, I knew a lot of the names. I'm like, that's pretty cool. But then they announced it, the guy called, and I don't know if you, the reason I'm saying a guy called, because I don't know if you've heard of him, Rob, but Abel Ferrara was going yeah. to be there. Um, sci-fi-wise, Abel Ferrara did the, the Body Snatchers movie, mm-hmm. so that's the sci-fi connection. But he's done stuff like King of New York, Driller Killer, The Addiction, just all sorts of stuff. And for me, it's like, holy shit, Abel Ferrara is going to be... I mean, this is a New York filmmaker that's going to be in Newcastle. That does not happen very often. This is a New York filmmaker that I've sort of grown up watching his films who's going to be in Newcastle at the same time I'm going to be in Newcastle and he's going to be at the same event that I have a press pass to. So it's like, holy shit, if I can actually just meet Abel Ferrara, that would just blow my mind. So he was going to be there screening a film called The Addiction, which is a black and white vampire movie starring Christopher Walken and Chris Penn. I believe Chris Penn's in it. And I've seen the film before, so I wasn't too fussed about watching the film, but I just wanted to meet Abel Ferrara. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Uh, with the Newcastle Film Festival, it's kind of spread all over part of the city. So there was a lot of walking. It was like, right, the other film's showing over there. It's a half hour walk. It's like, fuck's sake. So there was a lot of wandering around. And we found out where this Abel Ferrara film was going to be shown. It was on a Sunday. So we got up there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It's like, I'm gonna, I wonder if I'm going to be able to meet Abel Ferrara. That would be amazing. Is he doing any interviews? No, he's not doing any interviews. Oh, shit. Well, hopefully I could just like shake his hand and go, you know, 
you're Abel Ferrara, that's amazing. And then I could just take the story away. So we get up there and we, we're loitering around and then we go through and it's not started yet because the, the film is on its way from London, but it's not got here. So we're like, oh, shit. So he might not screen the film. And I'm like, no, no, we might not get to meet Abel Ferrara. This is, this is, this is terrible. We've walked all this way and I'm so excited and it might not happen. So I'm stood outside these doors thinking, right, let me just go in and I'll grab a seat near the front and then hopefully I'll get to meet Abel Ferrara. So the doors fly open and this guy walks into me and it was Abel Ferrara. So I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, literally walked into me and I've just sort of, he held the door open for me and I shook his hand. I'm like, this is my moment. This is my moment to just go, hi, Abel Ferrara. Big fan, shook his hand. And then I walked, we walked into this, um, like the, it wasn't even a cinema. It was like, um, like an events room. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody else there. It was empty because the film was on its way from London. It's running late. Abel Ferrara's not very happy because his film's not here. So Annette and I are wandering around this room feeling really, really lost. And then Abel comes back in and he's he's just wandering around and he's chatting with people. And there's a little media wall there. Thinking, what the fuck? They are doing interviews. Frank, why didn't I get one of them? And uh, he's, I'm watching him doing his interviews. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm watching Abel Ferrara give his interviews. Why am I not able to do one of those? Damn it. So then, then the film doesn't arrive. So Abel goes to the front of the room and he's like, oh, what am I going to do? I said, why don't you just give an impromptu like Q&A or something? He's like, oh, could do. And thick New York accent. He said, I could do that. And I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm actually giving Abel Ferrara suggestions. This is fucking mind blowing. How does this work? So Abel Ferrara gets to the front of the room and he's like, right, I'm just going to do this thing. I said, do you mind if I film it? He's like, oh, I don't care. I'm not bothered. He said, as long as it's not people just saying like, uh, oh, I love your work. Thanks for everything for 45 minutes. So I'm not interested in that. Um, but I'll just, I'll just give an impromptu talk. So I'm sitting there in the front row with my little Sony Handycam, the same things that did the first Sci-Fi Whales. Mm-hmm. And I got to film a 45-minute Q&A with Abel Ferrara, which pretty much opens up with me saying, Abel, I'm a huge fan. Thank you very much for all the stuff you've done. <laughs> and then at the end of the whole Q&A, I did actually manage to have a very quick chat with him and grab a selfie with him. So that, that's my Abel Ferrara story. And I did share this video on Facebook earlier on and because I put it on my YouTube and I thought I'll just put it there nobody's going to want to watch it but I do it's it was put on there four years ago it's had 1400 views nice so and I did opt to make it black and white as well because the film that Abel Ferrara was going to be doing because he was screening that day the addiction is in black and white so I thought I'm going to make this one black and white I kind of wish I'd have kept it in colour but it does look pretty cool in black and white. But yeah, it's a 46 minute, 32 second uh, chat with, with me in it somewhere. Uh, but it's just Abel Ferrara just standing up in front of an audience, just firing off questions. Mm. So it still blows my mind when I can sit here and go, I might hate my night job. It might drive me up the wall, but I've met Abel fucking Ferrara. Mm-hmm. So in this, probably the same way you're like, I met Nichelle Nichols. That is awesome. If I never meet any other famous person, <laughs> there's still a few I would like to meet, but um, 
it kind of blows my mind that I managed yeah. to meet Abel Ferrara in Newcastle of all places. <laughs> so that is my story. So you've got a whole week now to think of another one. I've already got the next oh, one. You already got the next and one. the one after that. You've got the oh, one I've after started that. started the list. I'm going to keep a list of the ones I've done so I don't <laughs> end up in like three months' time going, let me tell you my Abel Ferrara story. Uh, and so I'm going to try and make sure they're all different. But And I promise the next one's not a dog. It's not a dog. It's a cat. Did you, did you actually, <laughs> not an animal. Did you meet the cat from outer space? Uh, but yeah, I just think some of these stories that... I mean, I didn't know you'd met the Dulux dog. I so know. now people do know you met the Dulux dog, and so do I. So, um, but yeah, that's, you, that, that thing weighed a ton. Well, would um, I, I was um, I was knelt down in front in front of the Duke Dulux dog just just so I could kind of say hi and kind of <laughs> give it a fuss, and um, it decided to walk forward. So it's it was sitting, but its two front paws were on my knees because yeah. I was kneeling. And yeah, it weighed an absolute ton. Did you get a portograph? No, I didn't. And I didn't even get a picture because it was really the it was the days before cell phones and that kind of stuff. So you you wouldn't usually take a camera out to no. the uh to B and Q. I managed to the picture I got of Abel Ferrara was was from the video camera. Because I, yeah. I just left it running and I'm like, Abel, can I grab a selfie? He's like, Yep, and stuck his head in and I just took it as a screen grab. Nice. Um, because I didn't have a, my camera phone would have been shit quality back then. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the Comic Cons and stuff I've done over the years, my one regret is I'm not in the picture with a lot of the people that are photographed. Yeah. Because I'm I'm a bit like you. It's like I, I like taking photos. I don't necessarily like being in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I sometimes I do suffer from my art. It's like, nope, I need to have a picture for obviously what we do now and stuff. But, uh, yeah, one of my big regrets is that I'm not in a lot of these pictures that I've got. Well, that's the thing, you know, just from Sci-Fi Wales, I wish I had had the time to go and properly meet each one of the celebrities, have a photo, have a chat. And a lot of the time I haven't, you know. So, um, you know, and I look back and people like uh, John Chalice, for example, you know, well, there's no chance of that happening again. John Chalice was nearly my story for tonight. Mm. It was very, very nearly, but I know that I've told you that one before. But mm-hmm. yeah, John Chalice for me was like it was. I had sort of several encounters with him. I had standing near, you know, behind him in the queue for the hotel, and I'm like, "Holy shit, it's Boise! This is insane!" <laughs> and then Nick Cotton wanders in. I'm like, "Oh my god, what am I? What the heck is this weekend going to be like?" Um, and then obviously, I got, the got to best sitcom ever. It was insane, and I got to speak to him on stage again, which was really, really cool. And then before the event was winded up, so it was like five o'clock, I sprinted downstairs. I had another catch up with him and got him to sign two of the books. So I've kind of got three encounters. Nice. Um, not as bad, you know, not as impressive as when I met Sean Pertwee for the third time in a in a toilet. But you know, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, it's just these stories. I think we should start delving some of these, you know, getting them out there and mm. stuff. Because I like hearing other people's stories. They're not as good as Sean O'Banion's, but it's Tom Cruise telling where to park, uh, no. you know. But Catherine Hegel, yeah, Hegel, yep. Sean, thanks. And so he he will always be the the godsend when it comes to these sort of stories because he properly works in the industry, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yes, so Abel Ferrara and the Dulux dog. So on that note, we shall wind up episode one of season 13 of the From Page to Screen podcast, a podcast that's had many, many names over the years and quite a few co-hosts. Uh, not me, because I ain't going anywhere. I have nothing else to do. 
me either, so I'm sticking around as well until I'm booted off because someone better comes along. Well, you do know if I drop dead, you need to carry on, don't you? That's fair enough. Brilliant. I'm just, I'm willing the I'll podcast do, I'll do to do a you. live podcast from your funeral. Do it. Yeah, I would, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, there we go. Everybody's heard <laughs> it, so when it happens. Yep. So I'll give a thumbs up if my funeral is, uh, is done quite well. So, yeah, I'm going to go find something to watch. Uh, later on, I will be listening to another Dead Air podcast, so I highly recommend that one. And you enjoy your evening, Rob, and I will catch up with you soon. That sounds okay. good. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.